Bhubhagyanatimilandasya jnananjana salakaya Chakshurunaritam jenatasme sri gurave namaha Sri Rupsanatan bhattaragunat Sri Jeevagopal bhattadasaragunat Vande Sri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sohodito Gurudai Pushpavanto Chitra Sandotamunudo Shri Sanatana Goswami Prabhupada Dhirubhava Mahamotsvatiti ki jai Shri Guru Purnim ki jai So Sanatana Goswami as we know is the elder brother of Rupa Goswami and Balabhav and we have been discussing how Rupa Goswami and Sri Balabha met with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Prayag and at that time we have learned that Sanatana Prabhu was in prison. So I want to speak a little bit about his imprisonment and how he escaped and came to meet with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at Banaras and receive a wealth of instructions from Chaitanya Dev. As Rupa Goswami received also a wealth of instructions from him at Prayag, as I've mentioned before, teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami make up the whole of the Gaudiya Vaishnava teachings. They took those instructions and turned them into so many books. The first book of the Sampradaya was authored by Sanatana Goswami and that book entitled Brihat Bhagavatamrita is more or less a commentary of sorts on Srimad Bhagavatam. I think he considers it something like a, a supplement to the Bhagavatam. And this book is really the, the foundation for the whole of the, the Rasa Shastra of the Goswamis. So, very, very important book. Sanatana Prabhu wrote his own commentary on it. Can't be really understood without his commentary. And other than Brihad Bhagavatamrita, he authored a number of other books. One of the principal titles is the Hari Bhakti Vilas in conjunction with Gopal Bhatta Goswami. And when we take these books, Brihad Bhagavatamrita, Hari Bhakti Vilas, we see that uh, in many ways Sanatana Goswami was the was like the architect of the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya under the inspiration of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He gave the structure, as I say, if Brihad Bhagavatamrita is the foundation book, the Rasa Shastra of the, of the Goswamis, then like an architect, he put on paper the foundation and then all of, in Hari Bhakti Vilas, the modes of behavior and interaction between the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, what they would wear, their tilaks, the mantras for all the rituals and so forth. All these things are more or less structural and serve as a blueprint, as you would get from an architect, for how the society would be framed, the Gaudiya Sampradaya, structured. So, he's very, very important to us. His contribution, of course, is not limited to that, but we look at Sanatana Goswami 
and we look to him for Sambandha Jnana. We look to Rupa Goswami for Abhidhaya Jnana and Raghunathas Goswami for the uh, Tattva of the Prayojan, the goal of life. The deity of Sanatana Goswami, of course, corresponds with his contribution in terms of Sambandha Jnana. His deity is Madan Mohan. And Madan Mohan, amongst the team Thakur of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, as they are called by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, Gaudiyar, Teen Thakur. The three deities of the Gaudiyas, Madan Mohan, Gubindadev, and Gopinath. So, Madan Mohan corresponds with Sambandhakyan, and his mantra, given by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, we've spoken about that, sorting out the difference between mixed bhakti and unmixed bhakti, between karma and jnana and bhakti, Jayatam surato pangor mama mandumate ergati matsarvas pupadam bojo radha madana mohano. I'm lame and ill-advised, Kaviraj says. So lame refers to the karma marg, ill-advised, jnana marg. So all these things have to be sorted out in Sabanda jnana so we can orient ourselves towards a life of shuddha bhakti. So Madan Mohanji, to help us in that regard, and Sanatana Goswami, was so much involved in establishing his worship in Rupa Goswami, we Bhaktivedanta Sindhu, Ujjwamilmani. It's all about the practice of bhakti. That's the Abhidheya, the means. And Raghunathas Goswami in his books like Milap Kusumanjali and so forth speaks to us about the, in some depth with much experience about the Prayojan. Of course, he worshipped Giriraj, Govardhan, and the deity that corresponds with the Prayojan is of the three Thakurs of the Gaudis is Gopinath. Gopinath was worshipped by Madhu Pandit, so sometimes people say that he, that he shares that position with Raghunathas Goswami, but certainly not in terms of contribution of literature. These three deities are said to date back to the time of Krishna's grandson who was uh, at the time of their manifesting perhaps the last to have seen Krishna and remember him, one of Krishna's grandson. And so the deities were said to have been brought to him and each one was perfect to a certain extent. Madan Mohanji, the legs, perfect. Govindaji, the mid-torso and Gopinath, the head. So these, again, correspond with these three aspects. We need legs to stand on, have a conceptual orientation. We need arms to engage ourselves in terms of that, an upper torso, conception, and a smiling face. It's a face that smiles as a result of that orientation and practical execution of the type of activities that correspond with that conceptual orientation. So, we look to Sanatana Goswami in this way. Sri Dharmarsh explained his contribution in this way in the famous verse that we like to chant. Nama Shrestam Manumapi Satiputra Matra Sarupam Rupam Tasyagrajam Rupam and Tasyagrajam means Rupa and his older brother, Sanatana Goswami. So, taking us in the language of Sri Dharmarsh from Vaidhi Marg, making the bridge to Ragmarg. So we are in great debt to Sanatana Goswami. Again, he's the elder of the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. He's a worshipable guru of 
Siksha Guru of Rupa Goswami. Rupa Goswami pays obeisances to him in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And with regard to his incarceration and his meeting Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as Rupa Goswami met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu earlier and corresponded, of course, Sanatana Goswami was involved. The letter came for both of them and so forth and so on. But when they sought to relieve themselves from the government service and Rupa Goswami went to join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Sanatana was staying at home. His position in the government was apparently a little bit more important, essential, and he remained at home studying the Bhagavatam, surrounded himself by many Brahmins and analyzing the Bhagavatam at great length. He was the greatest scholar of the Gaudiyas on Bhagavatam. Jiva Goswami's writings on Srimad Bhagavatam, Gopal Champu, Krishna Sandarbha, his Kram Sandarbha commentary on Bhagavatam, all follow the lead of Sanatana Goswami. Rupa Goswami, of course, didn't write a commentary on Bhagavatam. So he was a great scholar of Bhagavatam. Even while he was in the government service, in his spare time at home, relish Srimad Bhagavatam. So he, this is what he did. He surrounded himself by so many pundits, and in their company he analyzed Bhagavatam from so many different angles. This is where he got his, and his insights to connect Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to, to the Bhagavatam. He teaches us that the Bhagavatam is the heart of Krishna, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu represents that heart. So he drew the things together. He could understand what the heart of Bhagavatam was, and he could understand, oh, and it has appeared like this in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he made sense for us out of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's ecstasies and his manifestations of love of God. So surrounding himself by many pundits and discussing Bhagavatam at length, he stopped going to work. And Nawab Hussain Sa sent someone to find out what was going on. He pleaded sick. Nawab came there and saw he wasn't sick. He was hearing the Bhagavatam. So he chastised him. He incarcerated him. Still he gave him a chance to come with him to Puri and be relieved, but he refused to go. So the king went by himself to attack Orissa, where Radha Paruddha was fortifying a strong defense for Jagannath. And Rupa Goswami, as we've heard, sent a letter to Sanatana Goswami to him. Somehow or other, get free. I've deposited some gold coins with a grocer. You can communicate with him. Use those somehow to get free and join me. I've gone to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's now on his way to Vrindavan. So Sanatana was very, very happy to receive the letter from Rupa Goswami. In effect, as we mentioned in our discussion, on that section, he said, somehow or other, find a way to get out. So be determined that somehow or other, jena tena prakarena manat krishna niveshayat. Remember Krishna. This is the idea. So what did he do? He spoke with the jailer, and he told the jailer, oh, you are a great... He complimented him, actually, in such a way as to more or less say, you're a jivan mukta. In the context of... Sufism, which is a kind of a mixture between Advaita Vedanta and Islam. It's factoring in the Vedanta into the Islamic tradition, which makes it mystic. Other than that, without Vedanta, you just got religion. You put the philosophy of Vedanta, plug that in, and then it becomes mysticism. So he complimented him in that way, and then he negotiated with him. He offered him something like 5,000 gold coins if he would let him out and the, and the jailer said look that's nice and all but huh, it's not worth my head the uh, mob will come back and if I let you go then he'll he'll kill me 
So Sanatana Prabhu told him to lie. So, yena tena prakarena mana krishna niveshaya. Somehow or other. At some point, then, the absolute and the relative, they run parallel. But if the absolute goes in another direction, we have to leave the relative behind. We could break the codes, the moral codes and so forth, for fulfilling the, the call of the absolute when need be. So he told him, lie, just tell him that you took me out to pass stool along the banks of the Ganges, and I jumped in and weighted down by my shackles, I never came up. And meanwhile, don't worry that I will resurface because I'm leaving this country and I won't be back. So the jailer was a little bit convinced and then he further told him and it said that if you free somebody from bondage then your life becomes perfect. He already kind of told him you complimented him but, but the guy knew that was just uh, flattery. So he gave him a practical advice that if you liberate somebody yourself you'll get liberated. Of course he meant liberated from material life but the jailer wasn't that bright. So he took him up on it when Sanatan added to that another few thousand gold coins that sealed the case. So he bribed him. Nothing new to India. But um, <laughs> we don't expect that from the sadhus. But here we find that these Goswamis, an example of how practical men they were and how they knew how to deal with worldly people. What a Prabhupada used to say, citing Chanakya Pandit, when dealing with a politician, you have to be a politician. Something like that. So... They were also, in a sense, externally speaking, chosen by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because of their background. They could speak many languages, six, seven languages. They knew how to deal with government people, and they were Hindus. They could deal with the Muslims. They certainly knew how to deal with Hindus. They were very wise in every respect, just like a king. A king runs a kingdom because he's quite smart about how to deal with people how to satisfy people and deal with the subjects and so forth. And so they were, and Sanatana Prabhu in particular, was like the king, like the Nawab, in as much as he practically he ran the government in his absence. So they were very, very expert, astute in worldly dealings, knowledgeable in worldly things, as well as uh, spiritual. And so uh, when... Uh, Dealing with this fellow, he came down to his level and he bribed him and he did what he had to do to get out. So we should take some lesson from this. Too much attachment to the moral life, that can be a problem. We should be moral, but if the occasion arises where the moral life comes into conflict with the absolute consideration, the call of Krishna, then we have to leave the moral behind. And this is not a, a license just to uh, lie and steal and, in the name of Krishna, but occasionally arise. This is an example. I mean, he could have been a morally stout person and refused to bribe him and, and advise him to tell a lie and so forth, but then he would have been, remained in jail. So these are some of the devices that he employed. Of course, we know from Yesterday's discussion, this further spiritual background behind it was the, the desire of Rupa Goswami, voice to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu then unleashed the chains and caused that jailer to accept the bribe and release Sanatana Goswami. So he went with one servant, Ishan, 
And for two days he traveled, and not on the trunk road, the main road, where obviously he was, would have been uh, quickly apprehended. He was a criminal, like a traitor to the government. So he went through the back roads, and as a result of that, he, he fasted for two days. When he arrived after two days' travel, in need of crossing the river at the kind of a hotel of sorts at the time, he asked the hotel keeper if he could, in the morning, get him across the river. And a man who was living with the hotel owner said he was a palmist. And he glanced at Sanatana Goswami's hand and he could understand something about him and he told the hotel owner, this man has eight gold coins in his possession. And so the owner said, certainly no rush to cross the river. You stay the night comfortably and my men will take you across in the morning. And then he showed great regard for Sanatana Goswami, arranged facilities that Sanatana could cook for himself, brought him the vegetables and so forth, and rice and all grains. And, and Sanatana Goswami, being the worldly wise person that he was, thought, hmm, ati bhakti lakshan chora. Too much devotion is a symptom of a thief. He thought, this guy has something on his mind. Otherwise, Sanatana Prabhu was not dressed like a respectable person. He was bearded, and he made himself appear like a Sufi mystic mendicant. So then he questioned his servant, because he, he knew he didn't have anything of value on him. Why is this person treating him like this? And the servant, he said, Did you, have you brought anything? Have you have anything valuable in your possession? He says, yes. I, out of those, all those gold coins, I kept eight. And he said, oh. No, he said, I kept seven. Seven coins. And so... Sanatana Prabhu said, why you keep the coins? These coins are death. These coins are synonymous with my death. So we should think about material possessions in this way. There, the weight, the, what do they call that? Yoke around our neck that drags us down. He went immediately to the hotel keeper and said, I have seven gold coins and I want to give them to you. And he said, and if you will get me across the river in the morning, he said, that will be good for you. That will bring you spiritual merit. And I give you the gold coins. And on top of that, if you take me across. So the man was very impressed by the character of Sanatana Goswami. He was astounded. He was purified by Sanatana's activities. He said, I knew you had eight gold coins. And I was planning on killing you tonight to get them. But you have saved me from committing a very sinful activity against whom I know now to be a saintly person by your character. So I, I don't want the coins. You can keep the coins and I will take you across the river. See the effect of Sanatana Goswami. Just on common people, by his practical dealings. And so Sanatana said, no, I don't want them. These are, again, he said, these are death. These coins are my death. So you take them, and I guess, Ishan, you got an eighth one? And he admitted, so he wanted to give that up too. Told Ishan to take it. And take it and go home. He said, yeah, you take the one coin and you go home. This way he didn't want to be burdened by the company 
of persons who had some dependence on something other than Krishna for their sustenance, who thought like that, very courageous. And so the uh, hotel man took him across the river and traveling some distance. He met uh, actually a distant relative or some kind of a, a brother-in-law who was married to his sister. He happened to run into and he told him his situation and so forth. And the man said, well, you stay a few days with me. And you've come. And he said, no, I won't stay. Can I stay one day? I have to go. I'm on my way. I have a mission. I have to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Keep moving. The government's after me, and I have to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he gave him a valuable blanket, shawl. It could keep him warm. And assisted him as much as he could in leaving the area. So, not, not a lot of high philosophy here. But Sanatana Goswami will meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu now in Banaras. Mahaprabhu met with him. He came to the door of the house of Chandrasekhar, where Mahaprabhu was staying. And Mahaprabhu said, there's a great soul at the door, please let him in. Chandrasekhar opened the door and there was Sanatana, looked like a Sufi mystic. And so he said, there's no one really great. There's just this fakir here. You know. they could, he's like a tantric or something. You know, also, not a very respectable person necessarily. And Mahaprabhu said, uh, came to see him, and then he saw it was Sanatana Goswami, as he knew it was. He went to embrace him, and what did Sanatana Prabhu do? He moved back and said, don't touch me, don't touch me. I'm contaminated, so forth and so forth. Mahaprabhu embraced him and introduced him to Chandrasekhar and asked him to go bathe and shave, shave up. He said he, he was known in the Braj as Munda Baba, shaved-headed Baba. So when he, in the Braj, of course, this is after he received all the instructions from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that would come in at Banaras. After he gave up even his blanket, he, he shaved up, cleaned up everything, came back with the blanket, and he detected that Mahaprabhu was not pleased that he had the fancy blanket. It, it didn't make sense that he was going to be a mendicant, loincloth, and have a fancy blanket. So as soon as he could detect that, Sanatana Prabhu went to the bank of the Ganges, found somebody with a tattered cloth and said, let me trade my shawl for your tattered cloth. And the man said, why do you make fun of me like this? This is all I own. And you've got a fancy shawl. And, no, he had to convince him, I mean it, I'm sincere about this. So finally the man agreed to make the trade. And when he came back with the tattered shawl, Mahaprabhu was very pleased. So the renunciation of Sanatana Goswami was very, very endearing to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We know that later when he met at Puri, he also pleased Mahaprabhu by his extreme renunciation when he walked the distance to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on the hot sands of the Puri beach rather than going the shorter distance for fear that he would bump into the pujaris of Jagannath and his estimation contaminate them. And the sands were so hot that they burned his feet. Mahaprabhu saw that. He was so impressed. So these are extremes of renunciation. Mahaprabhu was recognized by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for this. Mahaprabhu appreciated it very much and, and openly said it. But again, it, this is not a lot of philosophy, but it forms the ground. You see, it teaches us what was the position of Sanatana Goswami to then hear from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu such that, oh, he could 
imbibe so much, take those instructions and turn them into so many books and become the architect of the Sampradaya and so forth, and manifest himself to be the devotion of that he was really about. Of course, we're talking of him as if he's a sadhaka, but he's a siddha and descending from Golok with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But he went through his life, like under the influence of Yoga Maya, as if a sadhaka. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, same thing. He's all-knowing, but at the same time he would be unknowing due to the influence of Yoga Maya for the sake of intimate affairs with his devotees. So he would be moving back and forth between his... So anyway, Sanatana Goswami teaches us in his life, in his sadhaka day, of course, how to be a sadhaka, but at the same time, to such an extreme, we cannot imitate. The renunciation of Sanatana Goswami, Siddhar Maharaj at once explained, was like, and the other Goswamis as well, they were concerned to show that we who are the followers of Radha Govinda and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are as much detached from worldliness as any Maya body or more. Therefore, you should understand what is the Leela of Radha and Govinda. It has nothing to do with worldliness. These sannyasis of the Shankar Sampradaya were the standard of spirituality in many respects. They were prominent. So they showed a standard of renunciation that would make the Maya bodies run and hide. Such renunciation. We cannot do like that. Shidomar said that like if you were to make a garland out of jewels, then you have to drill a hole through those jewels. That is the hard part. So they drilled the hole through the jewels and they left for us the task of threading the jewels. Um, making it into a garland and garlanding Krishna with that. Rupa Goswami, of course, taught about renunciation in his verse, Anasakta Shevishayam Yatarham Upayunjita Nirbandha Krishna Sambande Yukta Vairagya Muchate. He taught there that the renunciation of the school of the Gaudias is called Yukta Vairagyam. And what it means is that we should not reject things that are favorable for Krishna's service. We should not reject the prasad of the Lord. We should not reject the flower garland of the Lord, the clothes of the deity, as Uddhava has said. Just by wearing these things, one can become perfect, Uddhava claims in Bhagavatam. Tasting the remnants, wearing the garland, smelling the incense, the clothes and so forth of the deity, the remnants. These things would be considered worldly or saguna by the maya bodies. They say, give up those beads. Give up nam. All these things they think are useful to a point, but they should be renounced. So, Rukhasami is saying, don't give up these things. These things have utilization in Krishna's service. But he's also saying that in moderation, for bodily upkeep, for the service of the Lord, we should accept certain things. Not being attached to them, but for our basic bodily maintenance, we can accept certain things and not think that uh, we'll be harmed by that. This is the basic idea of Rupa Goswami's verse. And of course, we are under the influence of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and the Bhakti Vinod Podibar. And he made much out of this verse and extended its meaning, its application to the idea of involving modern devices all types of things of the modern world in the propagation of 
Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And, of course, we are some of the fruits of that. So we believe in that, in that, that uh, interpretation of his. Relative to a point that we were discussing last night, to some extent, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he initiated a fellow over the telephone, a man in Dhaka, on the telephone. He, the man was recommended by his disciples, and for some reason or other, Saraswati Thakur could not go there, so over the telephone he gave him Harinam initiation. Siddharmarsh commenting on it said that just like the sadhus write books and other such things that are symbols of their experience, but they have the backing of the realization of the sadhus, therefore they have power. Similarly, we may take something from the world to relay Krishna consciousness, that inner experience of Krishna consciousness. And that will not get in the way if the will of the Vaishnav is behind it. That power of the Lord and the Vaishnav is such that the worldly thing will not be an impediment to its transmission. Prahlad is said to have become enlightened within the womb by the well-wishing of Narada. Narada recited Bhagavatam not in his right ear, but in the ears of Haranyakasipu's wife, mother of Prahlad. But he sent the well-wishing to Prahlad, such as the power of these extraordinary Vaishnavas. So Siddhartha was commenting about that, and someone had asked him about the tape, words on the tape, and he said, yes, they have power, if the will is behind them. So this with regard to what Prabhupada was doing by initiating people on the tape, a policy that Sridhar Marsh, upon hearing about it, also took up when he came in touch with wider-scale initiations, and as I mentioned last night, Pramod Puri Maharaj also, when he heard the two of them did, he did. Prabhupada's policy was really a, involved, was an extension of what Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur was showing in terms of his, his extension or dynamic idea of Rupa Goswami's concept of, of Yukta Vairagyam. So, we're involved in that. So we're not concerned. I, I, I'll go out and I want to see our monks dressed nicely. They should have nice pair of shoes, nice jacket, nice sweaters. And so if I see them come with a torn cloth, I'll say, get rid of that torn cloth and get a nice jacket. Just the opposite of what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told Sanatana Goswami. The times are different, the circumstances are different, and what we're doing is the same, but the way in which we're doing it and have been taught to do it and so forth is different. Prabhupada used to tell us, sannyasis, they should dress in silk, look respectable in the society. Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta used to criticize Sridhar Maharaj. He doesn't dress nicely enough. He should tell him to improve his dress. Because in the public's eye, that meant so much. The packaging means so much. America's contribution to the world, as I said before, is good packaging. Maybe a few other things, but you package bad things really well. So, we should package Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada was very keen on this. He wanted state-of-the-art publishing facilities. I used to see him, he'd come to Los Angeles to visit, and there we had the BBT. And he would want to tour the rooms of the BBT and look at all the latest machines. And this Prabhupada, this machine does this, and this type, so many words a minute, and this one. Prabhupada would light up seeing all those things. and think, yes, this way using everything created by the materialists for Krishna consciousness.
still the point remains. Renunciation, and that again with a practical understanding of that, forms a some kind of a foundation for us to, well, let's say that detachment from material things opens up the, the cavity of the heart to take in the kind of instructions that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave to Sanatana Goswami. Bhogaishvarya prasaktanam tayahapita chaitasam. Bhogaishvarya prasaktanam, Krishna says in the Gita, those who are too much attached to Bhogaishvarya, enjoyment and grandeur and opulence, then the resolute determination, Bhogaishvarya prasaktanam tayaprahita chaitasam. Vyavasatmika buddhir samadho nabhidhiyate. That Vyavasatmika buddhi, that fixedness, that nishta, will never come. So too much attached to the world is not good. Of course, Rupa Goswami has said we shouldn't be too extremely renounced uh, against the world and uh, not too much uh, for the world. So the middle path. Not too much against the world means we're willing to use it, to interact with it for Krishna's service. We're not afraid of it and running away from it. And now that we're running after it, we're running after Krishna. This is the idea. The Gyanis focuses on giving up the world. The Karmis focuses on attaining the world. Our focus is on Krishna. And that will involve renouncing the world while in the world, while using the world. The whole world will come at our disposal and we'll have no interest in it at the same time. So, Sanatana Goswami entered into Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's company having lifted the anchor of attachment to worldliness. So he was such a fit candidate to hear his instructions. Jiva Goswami comments on Bhagavatam's Vastudinde Shloka when Vyasa says, Sadyo ki takshanat. Just by desire to hear this, Krishna becomes arrested in the heart. He said, that's for one who is renounced and who's lifted up the anchor of worldliness. That will happen very quickly to him. That type of person. So, Sanatana Goswami showed that kind of example for us. If we want to make progress and ply across the ocean of material suffering, reach the shore of Krishna consciousness, then we have to pull up the anchor. So, he then was instructed by Mahaprabhu and he then was instructed to go to Vrindavan and excavate the places of Krishna's pastimes, to write books, to establish the sadachar, the behavior for the Vaishnavas, and deity worship, these things, these instructions were given by Mahaprabhu to him. He did all those things. And he lived in Vrindavan to a ripe old age. And he was like a, a grandfather to so many young people. And wherever he went in the Braj, moving about, people would, when he came to their village, they would run up to him to embrace him. And they were so affectionate towards him because of his affection towards them, that they would forget to pay obeisances. And children would hold his hand. He and Rupa Goswami, and him in particular, people would come before him with common problems, disputes, and he would resolve them for them. And of course he could speak very high philosophy and write very high philosophy at the same time. So when he passed from the world, because he always kept his head shaved, and therefore was known sometimes as Munda Baba, Shaved Baba, and teaching this kind of uh, attire to us. Everybody in the Braj, man, woman, and child, 
shaved their head to say, we are the followers of this person, Sanatana Goswami. So on this day, the Tirubhav of Sanatana Goswami, it falls on the Guru Purnim, which probably never gave much emphasis to it because it's observed by the Maya bodies as a big thing, but it's not a big thing in the, in the Gaudiya Sampradaya. But this is a big thing, the disappearance of Sanatana Goswami, worth commemorating and celebrating. He who is in many, some respects the uh, Adi Guru of our Sampradaya. So on this day we shave our heads. And I'm very happy to see that all of you have done so. Please keep it that way. Sanatan Gosami Prabhu ki jai. Tirubhav Mahamotsava Sanatan Gosami Prabhupad ki jai. Sisirada Malan Mohanji ki jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi.